Perfectly placed, strike three cone. Unstoppable. Unity is adversity. We are seeing unbelievable things at the ballpark tonight. Refuse to lose. See you later. United we play, United we win. It's his world and we're all just paying the rent. All hits all the time. We are family. Out to center, got it! We're busting ours to kick yours. Swing and a miss! Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness! Five, four, three, two, one. Back in the Masson Web Studio, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live on our Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you all so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. If you are trying to tune into the National Spring Training Game on MLB.tv, you're probably seeing that they are in a rain delay, so hopefully you're using this rain delay to tune into our show. Perfect. Switching over to Facebook or on YouTube. Very easily accessible. No subscription required, although we would like you to hit comment subscribe um it's for free so very easy process of that um and also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, stitcher soundcloud wherever you like to listen to your podcast you can subscribe to the mass and all access podcast i am back in dc we back you, in Bobby. studio i want to give a big thanks to brendan mortensen for filling in for me last week while i was covering spring training making the Three-hour drive from West Palm Beach to Lakeland, Florida to watch the Nationals lose to the Tigers. And then the hour and a half-ish? No, hour 15 drive to Orlando for my night flight back home after 10 days down there. But good to be back, Amy. Good to see you in person. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It was nice having Brendan here, you know, Mm -hmm. switch it up for a little bit. He did a good job. We still haven't heard whether his mom watched that podcast yet or not. So let us know, Brendan. Uh, But good to have you back. How was West Palm? West Palm was great. Uh, it, It... I talked about this before I left. It was my first time back there since right before the pandemic, so three years. Um, it is nice being back in a clubhouse without any restrictions, yep. no masks. You can walk up and talk to anybody, shake hands. Um, it's nice to go back onto the backfields at the complex at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. It's a lot of ofs there. Um, and, and watch baseball activity. I was like, hey, cool baseball things and that kind of gets you excited for the season yeah. you know for fans who can't make the trip down to spring training or you know can only watch so many games on mlb.tv on Masson, whatever have you you know it does get you being there right it does feel the excitement and it was cool being in that clubhouse and you know because all the pundits and people around baseball are looking at this team and saying what's exciting about them they're not going to win much yada yada it was exciting it's exciting. The guys are excited. The team is excited. There was good energy. And how can you not have good energy at the start of a brand new season, right? So um, it was fun being down there. How was everything back up here? It was Brendan good. did a great job. Yeah, Brendan did a great job. I was actually in Florida this past weekend oh. um, in Vero Beach, so just north of West Palm. Um, at Old Dodger Town, my dad coaches Juco baseball, and they go down there for like play like ten games every year. Uh, so I went down a couple of days over this weekend, which was was nice. And same thing, watching baseball in person, it gets you excited, especially in the nice Florida weather. Right. We're not so lucky back here in DC, but down there it was nice. So if you're watching <laughs> us live again on Facebook or on YouTube, and you're seeing, wow, Bobby and Amy look 
pretty good today. It's because we have this it's new sun the glow. Florida glow. Florida glow, yeah. looking tan. Brendan said I look tan when I walked in today. I mean, I've been back for a week now almost, so I maybe faded a little bit, but my God, it's cold up here. Yeah. I, I feel like I missed good weather up here. Like it was apparently kind of nice. It rained a little bit, I heard, but mm-hmm. like it was still kind of nice to be outside. And then as soon as I got back, it started getting freezing again. Yeah. Well, I wasn't so sure my plane was going to land last night, to be honest. Because of the wind? the wind. Oh. We were, I was sitting next to my mom and she was like holding me so hard. I was like, mom, calm down. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but it was, the plane was going like this Yikes. and shaking, but. We made it. We're back. But yeah, this cold weather, we got to get rid of of it before opening day. 15 days. 15 days until opening day. Exciting times. We have a lot to get to. Uh, Of course, I did not join last week's podcast while covering the game. So you and I haven't chatted in two weeks. But a lot has happened in those two weeks. We got a lot to build up to for the next two weeks before opening day. The big news over the weekend, of course, was Caber Ruiz signing his eight-year $50 $50 million contract extension with the Nationals. That includes two club options. We're going to get into all of that later on in the pod. That's going to be, uh, I guess, your the main serving of today's episode. But there's a lot of news and notes we want to get to, the biggest of which came down within the last 24 hours, and that is, of course, Kate Cavalli suffering an apparent elbow injury in the third inning of his game, of his start last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, uh, against the Mets in Port St. Lucie. He had been cruising against this Mets lineup, and on his 43rd pitch, threw a changeup to Brandon Nimmo uh, that went a little sideways, and he did that thing that you don't want to see a pitcher ever do, shake that arm and yep. that elbow, and he called for Davey Martinez and Paul Asar. They are looking at an MRI Getting him an MRI sometimes or yet last night, and they won't know those results probably till either later today. Stay tuned for Mark Zuckerman, who's back down there in West Palm, but most likely tomorrow or the following day for final results. Yeah, if you're following along with his start yesterday, really the best start of his spring. He looked like everything he's supposed to be. Um, the location was there, the velocity was there, and then of course through that last pitch in the third inning, had to exit the game. Not what you want to see. And I think what's on everybody's mind is don't let it be the UCL. Don't let it be Tommy John surgery. Getting that MRI today, we probably won't know the results to tonight, maybe more likely tomorrow. But that, I think, is the main thing on everybody's mind is please do not let this lead to Tommy John surgery. I mean, it's, I, I think if you read Mark Zuckerman's kind of thoughts about it this morning on MadisonSports.com, the Nationals are afraid that it is mm-hmm. the UCL and it, it is going to be required Tommy John, not just season-ending Tommy John. He's not going to have a 2023 season. And you go back to last year, Amy, when Cake Volley cruised through AAA. Remember back in 2021, he hit basically every single level of the Nationals minor league system on his way to AAA where he kind of struggled. And then last year, he just dominated yep. uh, with the Rochester Red Wings and finally earned that long-awaited Major League debut in August. And, you know, it was fine. Some good moments, some low moments, but all by all accounts, a decent major league debut for one of your top pitching prospects. Of course, we weren't expecting a Steven Strasburg-esque performance by Cade Cavalli that day, but he still showed why he right. is one of their top prospects. And then getting ready for his next start, he reports shoulder soreness, and they shut him down for the season, essentially, after that. So coming into this year, you know, Every, by all accounts, all systems go. I got to see Cade pitch down when I was down there. He seemed fine. You know, still ramping up the arm. The Nationals and Davey Martinez did say, you know, because of what happened last year, they do want to take it slow with him, be extra cautious. It sounds like 
Tuesday start was going to be the first time they were really going to kind of let it push him a little bit. I think he was scheduled to go about five innings and up to 80 pitches or 60 pitches. And of course, he only made it to 43. So you just kind of wonder this has to be somehow tied still to that thing that he suffered la- end of last year that shut down his 2022 season and now could cost him the 2023 season. Yeah, last year you're waiting to see Kate Cavalli. You're waiting to see, to see Kate Cavalli. He's dominating in AAA. They finally pull him up, and then that happens after making his debut. The shoulder soreness, we don't see him again. Of course the Nationals were going to be careful with him, not only because of that injury that could possibly be lingering. You said it wasn't, but lingering from the previous season, but also because he's your top pitching prospect. And you don't want to do anything to mess up his career and his future in this rotation. And I think everybody expected, Davey Martinez said he still had to earn a spot in the opening day rotation, but everybody expected him to be part of the starting five. And, you know, any sort of setback would, you know, be terrible because he is your top pitching prospect and they need him in this rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't want to put too much pressure on him. They were careful with him. This is not good. Yeah, and and to rub salt the wound, and like, like I said earlier, like, for through his first 42 pitches, he was dominant. He was yeah. every bit of the top pitching prospect that you expected him to be. Fastball was elite. His breaking ball stuff has yep. improved a lot better, showed a lot better command with all that stuff. And changeup, which is one of the pitches he's been working on a lot um, this spring. And just ironic that that's the pitch that got him, you know, that kind of led to this injury. He threw a changeup, and that's when he felt it. Um, so it is kind of... It's eerie. It's you know. It's 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 unfortunate news. It's bad luck. Um, you obviously hope that it's nothing major. That maybe he's at you know best case scenario. In my mind is like he's just not going to be ready for opening day. Right. I mean, obviously, worst case scenario is that he misses the whole season, which I think is the more likely scenario. But again, we'll wait and see. And we were supposed to come in today, uh, Amy. You and I were going to start off this podcast talking about how the rotation was taking shape. Uh, Patrick Corbin is starting today, which would line him up to start opening day. Then you got Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Trevor Williams, and Cavalli, like you said, wasn't guaranteed, but was shaping up to be their fifth starter in this rotation. Right. The the big, um, you know, unfortunate thing about this is, of course, it could, if he doesn't play this season, it's stunning the development of your top pitching prospect right. and a guy who's supposed to be a big part of your future. But the other unfortunate part about it, specific, you know, right now, is that it kind of exposes their lack of starting pitching depth. Mm-hmm. Because now the Nationals are in a position, if we don't see Kate again this year, who fills that spot? They're talking about Jack Cool, most likely leading the pack. And, you know, you already have a Trevor Williams in your rotation who probably with any other team would not be in a rotation. Mm -hmm. He would be in a bullpen anywhere else, but he wanted to start. Big reason why he's probably with the Nationals. But now, you know, you're in the situation where who takes Cade Cavalli's spot? Your next best best option is Chad Cool. Mm -hmm. Is that good? (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's it's not... Ideal for sure. Yeah. I mean, Chad Cool. Actually, that last game that I covered in and spring training, Chad Cool started, um, and he he looked pretty solid against. It wasn't the best Tigers lineup. I mean, the Tigers don't have a great team right now either. But you know, he he did fairly well. Um, and so that leads, and he even said after that start, he was like, you know, I, I like starting. You know, it's it allows me to be in a routine. Pitchers like being in a routine. When you're in the bullpen, you're not really in a routine or your you know your schedule is a little more wonky whether as opposed to being on a five-day rotation plan um so i mean it's not it's i don't know for for me it's more kind of here we go again because you think about 
the Nationals' top pitching prospects, the big three were, and not including Mackenzie Gore, who's coming back from injury, and knock on wood, all signs are pointing that he's healthy. But Cavalli, Jackson Rutledge, and Cole Henry. Well, Cole Henry still recovering from thoracic outlet surgery. Um, he's throwing off a mound, which is a good sign. Against live hitters, another good sign. Great sign but, yeah. you know, you're not expecting him to make his major league debut anytime soon. Jackson Rutledge optioned down from major league camp but goes straight to double a which i thought was surprising mm-hmm. since he hasn't pitched above high a in two years he only made high a back in 2021 spent the entire season at low single a fredericksburg last season and here they are they're confident enough to kind of throw him into the deep end and he started his season at double a this year but again not ready to make his major league debut so when we talked this offseason amy a lot about this roster construction what they were going to do in free agency and trades you know we talked about the rotation, but we, you know, we said, I guess you do need an arm, Trevor Williams, mm-hmm. but you're counting a lot on, of course, Patrick Corbett's going to be there, but then your young starting pitchers, Gray, Gore, and Cavalli, mm-hmm. and then there's not a lot of depth. So we had that conversation that that's a good plan going into the season, but of course, injuries happen, and they just right. did, and that's, you're seeing the lack of depth right now because they did not add too many backup emergency starters. I guess you could say, uh, aside from a Chad Cool, you already have Apollo Espino, guys like that. Right. I mean, and, which is surprising because at winter meetings, Mike Rizzo, you know, was saying, you know, we're focused out on going out and getting arms. Never do you see five pitchers make it through, five starters make it through the entire season. So you need starting pitching depth. And then they didn't really go out and get any starting pitching depth. I mean, some options like minor league contracts and invites to spring training you saw Willie Peralta Mm -hmm. you know guys like that but no really solid options that could be in another option in this rotation other than Trevor Williams yeah David Martinez said this morning that it will be Chad Cool pretty much filling his spot for Kate Cavalli in the rotation um all but assuring that Kate Cavalli is definitely going to miss time, right? I mean, you don't shake your elbow like that and not miss a significant amount of time. Um, and then your other options, of course, you mentioned Willie Peralta, who apparently Davey mentioned the other day. This is from Mark Zuckerman that flat out said he's a reliever. He's not starting. So you got guys like Paulo Espino. And then you got guys that you already optioned down, Corey Abbott, Johanna Doan, to make starts. And, you know, you say, well, they're already not in Major League camp. That most likely had to do with, they, they at the time, they weren't expecting these guys to make the – the roster, the opening day roster, and they need to stretch them out because yeah, they're right. going to be starters at AAA. They need to be the guys that, when something like this happens, can come up and fill a spot start. So, you know, if Cavalli's down for a extended period of time, yes, Chad Cool can step in and be that fifth starter right now, but don't be surprised if you don't see, if you see Corey Abbott, Johanna Don make a spot start here and there over the first couple months of the season. Yeah, Chad Cool kind of, you know, a lot of ups and downs in his career. He had great moments and a lot of not so great moments. A 5.72 ERA last year last year, well below league average strikeout rate, well below league average walk rate um in his season with the Rockies. You know, you're hoping you can get one of those brighter moments out of him, but an inconsistent career uh, for Chad Cool. Yep. And moving forward, I guess he's still got to hope for the best for Cade. Um, I just see right now as we are recording live on on Facebook and YouTube that the Nationals game against the Marlins and Jupiter has been canceled due to rain. So unlikely that Davey's going to speak the rest of the day. So 
again, unlikely that we'll have any update on Kate Cavalli until at the earliest tomorrow morning. But again, likely, well, actually tomorrow afternoon because they play a night game on Thursday. So tomorrow, Thursday afternoon, but even could even be Thursday night into Friday that we'll get an actual update on Kate Cavalli. Some other injury news coming out of camp. I, I saw Victor Robles hit his knee on a pipe in center field. That, for a moment, looked scary because he could not walk, and they had to bring the cart out for him. But it's just a bad bruise. He was back on the field earlier this week. Uh, Sean Doolittle's progressing a better right now, which is a good sign. Victor Arano reported some shoulder soreness. They've shut him down for a while bit, or an impingement, mm-hmm. I believe it was. Um, and then, um, who am I missing? I think that's everybody. Sean Doolittle, Carter Keeboom. We talked Keeboom, about that last He's week. He's been throwing, but not throwing across the yep. diamond yet. So a, a non-update setback, update yeah. there. Yeah, after his setback um, about 10 days ago, one of the first days I was down there. Um, so, yeah. So I, wasn't it the last podcast you and I did together? We talked about how this team was taking it easy, mm-hmm. avoiding the injury bug, being cautious, and then boom, now we've got about five and then one significant one. 15 days from opening day. Right, and you never want to see that. Anytime you see, I mean, starters have to ramp up, obviously. That's why they're playing in spring training games. But you get nervous anytime you see a starter go down in a spring training game like you did with Victor Robles when when he hit the wall in center field, Uh, especially Cade Cavalli. Those are big, you know, you're like holding the edge of your seat just hoping everything's okay. Yeah, so we're both in agreement. Well, not in agreement because Davey already pretty much confirmed it that Chad Cool fills in Cavalli's spot in the rotation. Looks like Patrick Corbin is again. He's not going to start today against an opposing team, but he'll get his working in the batting cages. Um, but he's lined up for opening day start, followed by Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Trevor Williams, and now Chad Cool. Before we move on to Cabo Ruiz, we do have to talk about Joey oh Friggin Manessis because he is caught the world on fire right now uh, at the World Baseball Classic, playing for Mexico. You know, he talked a little to the media a little bit before he left. He was very excited, very happy for this opportunity. If you remember all the way back to the beginning of spring training, he was doubtful that he wanted to go because he was worried that it would cut into his opportunity to make this Nationals club. <laughs> and Dave Martinez did that. He kind of laughed. It yeah. was like, no, 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 no. You're on the right. team. Go play for your country. And all he's done is hit two home runs, batting 500, an OPS well over 1,400, um, and just showing the type of hitter that he is. And I think it's like twofold. I, I was Mark had a great reaction from the Nationals clubhouse the other day, but it's like that's awesome for Joey, awesome for the Nationals. Did you have to do it against Team v- USA? V- Team USA. Two home runs in the first four innings against Team USA. I mean, come on. I think that made it like I agreed, but it kind of made it like even more exciting because you look at that USA roster and it's just star-studded absolutely and then you have Joey Manessis who made a name for himself last season but is certainly not the caliber of these other players or not there yet necessarily so to see him do what we got to see him do last season Mm -hmm. but a lot of people who might not have heard of him you know didn't get to see him do so it's it's so exciting for him good for him um, and of course, we'll have a spot on this roster when he comes back. Seven for 14, four runs scored, the two home runs against Team USA, five RBIs, only one strikeout throughout this tournament in three games so far. Mexico, I think, has already qualified for the quarterfinals um, from their pool. And so he's going to be there for at least through this weekend, it sounds like. Um, it, he's, I, I saw after they beat. T 
Team USA. And, and, I, and to your point about it, it's almost more exciting. I think it's better. You know, it's more exciting maybe for us and Joey because he did do it against Team USA. Yeah. So you had the entire country watching. And if you're not like a diehard Nationals fan or diehard baseball fan, you might not know who Joey Manessis is. Now you do because you just saw him whoop up on your home team. Um, and then I, I think that with Joey doing what he did against Team USA, I saw a lot of... I guess I'll call, I'll call them pundits again, but coming out and kind of criticizing some uh, USA pitchers for not joining the team. He's like, this is what happens when you don't send your best pitchers. Other yeah. teams that you should be like team Mexico, you know, they beat up on, you know, your B squad pitchers. And I mean, <laughs> Joey's been beating up on minor league pitchers and, and major league pitchers uh, for 10 plus years now. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting or, and cool that Joey Mess is basically led to a, this big calling out of, of United States pitcher, American pitchers. Right. I mean, part of that is, you know, of course. Right. It's, sending, it's tough. You're not, it's not like these hitters where they're, you know, getting to play every day and getting reps. You're sitting, sending pitchers that, you know, they have to be fully ramped up. Um, you know, they're not, get, they're not going out there and throwing every day like they would be at spring training or, you know, on a certain schedule. So that makes it a little bit difficult. And that's probably the main reason that you're not sending, you know, USA's best pitchers. Um, but there is something to that, and I think that makes it even more exciting for yeah. Joey. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Mexico is still playing. I think the USA still needs to win to advance. Um, and then I think the DR and Puerto Rico play this afternoon in a winner-take-all. Okay. The winner moves on, the loser goes home. So that should be a that big be a game. A, game a lot yeah. of stars on those two teams, a lot of major league stars on those two teams. So, yeah, we talked about the World Baseball Classic. Very cool event. Uh, I, I wish it was longer. You know, it's, it's only two weeks. And, you know, you think about other than, like, the World Cup is, like, a month long and stuff like that. The Olympics are a month long. Mm -hmm. So I do wish it was longer. There is no right time to do it for how long the baseball season is. Yeah. But, you know, it is still very cool. Yeah. Given that it's only two weeks, I'm, I'm surprised that they don't do it another time. You so, know what I mean? Talk, so Mark and I overlapped at, at uh, spring training, and it was right at the beginning of um, of the World Baseball Classic. And shout out Nationals PR director, Kyle Bratzowitz, who is the PR guy for Team Australia. He's I been didn't in, know that. Yeah, he's been in Taiwan the past couple weeks. And they advanced. I think they just got knocked out today by Cuba, but they advanced to the quarterfinals, which was pretty cool for Team Australia. But anyways, Mark's suggestion was... Why not make it an extended all-star break like hockey does for the Olympics or basketball does for, I guess basketball doesn't do it. So the hockey does for the Olympics. Um, and I, I was like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. Problem was when he asked people around baseball, they kind of scoffed at it. It was like, that's asking, that's a lot of time off in the middle of the season and not a lot of players participate. That means there were like 80% of major league baseball players would have an extended break for no re and not That's be playing. True. And then your pitchers are all out of whack and your batters get out of sync. I mean, you could risk injuries a lot when you come back and start the second half. You extend the season into November, which we know owners don't want to do, or you're losing games, which you know owners don't want to do. So it, it is tough. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to shorten, you know, like the all-star break or all-star week and, yeah. you know, maybe start it with that and then, you know, go into the world baseball classic games it'd be better for pitchers certainly because they could probably stay on some sort of schedule and you could get some of these top guys to make a start for team usa well, or right. wherever you know yeah you would have like and everyone would be like in season form right yeah at the but best. for everybody else that's not playing in either the all-star game or in the world baseball classic you know you're sitting at home or you yeah. know you're you're you it, it would throw it things out of whack be, yeah. and baseball in november and then yeah agreed so probably the best time to do it but still, still not ideal 
Yeah. yeah. I'm not convinced. Still a fun event. Um, good for Good for Joey. Good for Team USA. Go Team USA. Um, let's move on to the heart of the podcast. That, of course, is Cabrio Ruiz's extension. Eight years, $50 million, includes two options. He is locked in at least through 2020, 2030. And then the two options include 2031 and 2032. Those years sound fake in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I had struggled. So the deal could be worth up to $76 million over 10 years. The Nationals have their catcher of the future. We already kind of knew that, of course. You know, you trade for a guy like Haber Ruiz and Josiah Gray. Um, they are going to be a core piece. And then what they gave up and uh, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, they're going to be your core pieces for the long term. But the news came out over the weekend. Um, you know, this is a deal that the Nationals have type of deal the Nationals have been trying to do for years and could never get done, especially with their big name um, players like Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, and they finally get one done um, for their young catcher. Um, surprising and I think good for both sides. Yeah, we've seen a, a couple players sign contracts in their arbitration years like Ryan Zimmerman, Steven Strasburg, I think, signed one, uh, Gio Gonzalez, but those were all in their arbitration years. This is the first time we've ever seen the Nationals commit to a player in his pre-arbitration years, and it's kind of surprising. My initial reaction is surprising that they were able to get this deal done that they've never been able to do before in the ownership, ownership situation that they're right. in. Granted, you look at the money, not a huge commitment, not a huge commitment down the line, um, but still kind of a little bit surprising that this is when they were able to get it done. Yeah, let's, um, before we break down the deal any further, let's hear from Caber Ruiz. He did talk, uh, spoke to the media in a press conference with uh, Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo in attendance. Mass and cameras were fortunate enough to be down there uh, as they were broadcasting that night's game. So let's hear from Caber Ruiz speaking with the media about his new eight-year $50 million contract extension with the Nationals. Well, first of all, I want to thank God for this moment. I want to thank Lerner family. I want to thank my Rizzo here. I want to thank David for making this happen. And I'm really excited to stay here, you know, for a long time. I feel like we got a good group. All these guys, all these young guys, McKinsey Gore, uh, Josiah Gray, and all the guys coming up from minor leagues too. So I feel like I gotta take responsibility now and I gotta do my job to help this thing win. How would you just describe the feelings when the extension was finalized? It was an exciting moment, obviously. Uh, like I said, I'm very grateful with this thing, with all, all, all the people, the coaches started the front office to, for made this happen and settled my life and my family was happy too. I mean, we started crying together, you know, I've been working my whole life for, for this moment and I just got to keep keep going, you know, uh, this is, I mean, just the, the star and I got to, like I said, take responsibility and help this thing with A lot. I mean, I gotta take a step, a step by step, and season by season, do my job every day, help this thing win, uh, win a World Series. That that's my goal too. And I win it when I was with with the Dodgers, but I was in the bullpen, so now I wanna win <laughs> as a player, you know. And we got a really good group here. 
to make this happen. Yeah, I mean, especially my position, I mean, catcher. So I got a, like I say, this is a young group. I mean, we got a couple veterans too. And I just want to do my best to help this thing win. And I will do whatever I got to do. So a lot of things jump out at me from that press conference, Amy, and one of them being that K-Bear mentions responsibility a lot. He talked, he, that goes, that's a, that was a common mm-hmm. theme in his answers, which like I really like to hear. And, you know, you can tell watching him. I mean, I know English isn't his first language, but even if he was, you know, speaking, he's a soft-spoken guy. He's a quiet guy, but he's becoming a leader in that clubhouse. And the fact that he mentioned responsibility so much, he understands that, now that I have this contract, now that I'm here long term, and the position, he even mentioned the position that I play, catcher, I have to be a leader. I have to take responsibility and help elevate this team, play well, make sure everyone else is playing well, and become a part of that core that's going to be the part of the next Nationals winning team. Right. I think he gets, you know, the, the commitment that the Nationals are making to him being their catcher for possibly the next 10 years, you know. Um, I think he he kind of gets that and, and is taking it upon himself to, you know, take that responsibility and, and be a big leader on that team. And it's a big part because he does play that catcher position. Yeah. And so it was also fortunate on that day that his buddy and trade mate, is that a word trade mate? Josiah Gray started that game, that night's game um, for the nationals. That was also on Masson that Masson cameras were able to interview him uh, after his outing. So let's hear from Mike Rizzo, who of course orchestrated this deal. Uh, Davey Martinez, who, of course, will be managing um, Kaber for the foreseeable future, and one of his best friends on the team, Josiah Gray, all talking about Kaber Ruiz, what he means to this team, not only as a person and a player, but as a teammate and a leader in the Nationals clubhouse. Well, you know, we see upside with with, with Kaber. He's a, he's a player that's that's proved that on the you know at the minor league level that he was you know one of the top prospects in the game. We brought him up early in his career. Uh, you know, he, he was thrown into a, a situation where, uh, you know, s- strange city, strange organization, strange pitching staff, and I thought he handled himself remarkably last year. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, he's, he's, uh, he came into, into this winter and this offseason, into spring training, is more of a, a, you know, kind of a leadership mode, even before we started talking about uh, any type of extensions and that type of thing. It gave me the, uh, you know, the onus to really think hard about, about who – who we want to lock into into these positions and and uh, and to build this team around and uh, and I think that uh, you know when you get kind of the general of the team which is the catcher uh, and those players up the middle I think it's important that uh, that those are the guys that uh, that that grow into a leadership role and I can see that for Kiebert and uh, you know along with the physical skills you know just switch any catcher makes good contact he's you know. He uh, had a had a good season last year of, of throwing out potential base dealers. Uh, you know, worked wor- worked with uh, with Davey and Henry Blanco really really hard on on becoming a, a catcher every day, which is a very difficult uh, thing to do. There's not many teams that do, that go with a you know kind of a front line catcher that that's going to catch you know five days a week uh, a- anymore. So I think that that's important. And uh, and again, just the. Uh, just the character and, and, and makeup of uh, of the person is, is you know gave me uh, gave me uh, uh, confidence that uh, this would be a this would be a good move, a good move for the organization. Oh, well, yeah, I've I've often mentioned a lot about him growing last year, maturing a little bit. 
Um, I've always said this about him. I, you know, I think eventually he will be our one of our leaders in that clubhouse. I mean, um, he's very soft-spoken, um, but when he speaks, he's you know he he's he's really good and he really you know he really means what he says. So, you know, I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for his family. Um, but we often talk about how you know we we invest in players. Um, and I think I think it's it's kind of the other way. I mean, he's investing in us for long term. That means a lot. It really does. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, the kid deserves it. I think we all see how hard he's worked, um, how good he is. You know, with you guys, the media, how good he is with us in the clubhouse. Um, you know, really happy for him. You know, he's all deserving, and um, I'm excited to throw to him for years and years. And um, I think he's gonna um, enjoy it because I know he's earned it and. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does, you know, for years to come um, as we both continue to develop. And um, I'm just really happy for him. Nothing but great things being said about Caber Ruiz from his general manager, his manager, and his battery mate in Josiah Gray. Um, I, I, things that stood out to me right there, Amy, like, you know, press conferences of this magnitude or whatever, you, you always see, like, teammates coming in our attendance, especially one that's like happening down the hall at spring training, right? So teammates are in attendance. There's a lot of guys apparently in the background, you know, there to support mm -hmm. K-Bear during his uh, his press conference. But David Martinez was up there at the table with him and right. was not lost upon me that this is essentially a lame duck year for both him and Rizzo. Rizzo, you know, it comes with the territory of still being the general manager. But I would think typically – Manager would maybe not be there for that because he's like, oh, I'm. Not, I don't know if I'm gonna be here for nine years after this year. So, I mean, I, I like the, you know, it, it was just. Mm -hmm. I think it was very smart, telling, mm -hmm. um, and and a very classy and cool move for Dave Martinez to be up there too with him, even if he doesn't manage the Nationals beyond this season. I mean, that shows you everything you need to know about Dave Martinez as a person and a manager, but also his relationship with his players and this one in particular, Caber Ruiz. Right. It shows, you know, what they see in Caber both as, you know, a player and a person. And I liked, you know, hearing from Josiah Gray and what he had to say because they have played together the longest because he came in that trade from the Dodgers uh, with Caber. And it's also important that, you know, the Nationals are committing to Caber Ruiz as their catcher. You know, they've kind of cycled catchers in and out. They've never really developed catchers in the past, committed to a catcher over a long period of time. Um, and I think that, but they didn't really have to because they had more veteran pitchers. You know, they were used to seeing, you know, getting caught by different catchers. I think this is really good given that it's such a young rotation that they're going to have that familiarity with Caber Ruiz, especially a pitcher like Josiah Gray, who's both young um, and, and a developing starter, but also because he knows Caber Ruiz. I, I think it's also very telling, like the direction that Mike Rizzo and his staff are trying to take this rebuild. We talked about it a lot, building of the middle. We know Mike Rizzo values starting pitching, but here he is locking up a catcher for eight-plus years, potentially. Uh, his past two drafts have been a shortstop, now moved to third in Brady House, of course, but a shortstop and a center fielder in Elijah Green um, in the first round. So he, he sees the value, of course, building up through the middle of the field, starting with your catcher. You've got your young prospects in Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, Kate Cavalli, uh, and, and you know Cole Henry, Jackson Rolaji, et cetera, et cetera, coming up through the system. Uh, Jake Irvin, um, 
but you you know you've got position players you need to sign long term too. Um, he, he was under club control for five more seasons, so this buys out two years of pre arbitration, three years of arbitration, and then three plus years of would be free agency. Like I said, the deal could be worth up to seventy six million dollars over ten years if the Nationals pick up their club options for both twenty thirty one and twenty thirty two. Looking at K. Bear Ruiz's numbers as a National well, over his first full season, actually as a major leaguer, he batted two fifty one with twenty two doubles, seven homers, and a 673 OPS while throwing a 22 base runner, second most among MLB catchers. And you see his numbers on the screen, over 135 games with the Nationals, 257 average, 685 OPS, nine homers, and 50 RBIs. So he still hasn't reached that full potential as a former top prospect in the Dodger system, as mm-hmm. a former top prospect overall in baseball. So it is kind of risky for both sides, right? Like, he hasn't reached his full potential, so the Nationals are taking a chance on that he does reach that and is worth this long of a contract this early. But also, K-Bear is taking a risk in that if he does reach that potential, he, he's taking job security now over making more money later, which we've seen a lot of former Nationals players decide to do the opposite. Right. That's why this deal, I think, is so important to the Nationals and what they're able to do because they haven't been able to, you know, sign a player long-term that hasn't reached their full potential yet. They were kind of, you know behind the eight ball on everything else or not behind the eight ball on everything else because you have, I mean, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, most recently Juan Soto. Um, this kind of deal makes it a lot easier to buy into the rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're seeing him, they're committing to their young talent. You haven't seen that with the rest of those guys. All of those guys were able to walk. And I think that's probably really frustrating for NAS fans. But the difference here is that they let all of those guys reach free agency and develop to their full potential. This guy, you're taking more of a chance on it. I mean, not really with the dollar amount, but technically by signing him long-term, you're taking more of a chance on him, um, you know, before he reaches his full potential. Yeah. Best case scenario for the nationals, this becomes a player or sorry, a a team friendly contract as you're maybe paying only $50 million over eight years or 76 over 10 to an all-star level level catcher. Um, And you mentioned those three players. Uh, Harper, Soto, Rendon, what do they all have in common? Mm-hmm. All Scott Boris guys just recently, Cable Ruiz left Scott Boris's corporation and signed with Octagon as his representation, and here he is signing a long-term deal. We'll never know, right? But just kind of reading the tea leaves, you have to wonder if, if that played a part in this. You know, what came first, him leaving Scott Boris or – and signing the, signing with Octagon and the Nationals are like, okay, let's go try to get him now. Or him being like, I want to sign long-term and Boris saying no. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to go find someone else who will, who will get this done for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know the history of Boris wanting guys to reach free agency, not wanting them to sign, you know, this early on. And then you saw Cabo Ruiz's reaction to, to the offer. He said yes right away. And then he was like, <laughs> okay, calm down. We have to wait. So I think those two <laughs> things combined, Cabo being so – um, eager to, to sign a deal. And then Scott Boris, you know, I'm sure had the opposing view. I think there has to be some sort of connection. We'll probably never know. Um, but it's good for Caber. This is really what he wanted to be able to get that done. Uh, he talked a lot about his family mm-hmm. and in being able to buy a home for his family back in Venezuela to keep them safe. Um, there's a lot more to it, you know, with some of these um, players that, that are born here, 
you know, they're going after the biggest dollar amount that they can get. And mm -hmm. they kind of have the freedom to do that if they have the ability and put, put out that production on the field. But some players from other countries don't, there's a lot more that goes into their decisions. And this is guaranteed money for Cabarulis now. He's probably not thinking about, you know, five years from now right. when he would be a free agent. He needs, you know, that, that, that guaranteed money now. Yeah. And, you know, this is a signing that looks a lot like what the Braves have been doing for a mm -hmm. long time now. And we've talked a lot about before, especially more, most recently when we were breaking down the National League East before the season, um, you know, they've got such a young core for relatively cheap. I mean, you look at that Ronald Acuna Jr. deal, it's so cheap for what the, the value that he brings, and that's a team-friendly contract. And, you know, you, you look at Ronald Acuna Jr. and be like, well, you should be making, you know, Juan Soto-esque money, but you signed this, and that's that was your choice. He wanted the money now as opposed mm -hmm. to later. Caber's making the same choice. It'll be interesting, interesting to follow if the Nationals can convince any other of their young would-be core prospects, young players, to follow suit and, and do a similar uh, signing. Um, anyone else you think, uh, and speaking of that, do you think that could sign next or who are you looking at for the nationals to try to go and sign long-term next? I mean, with the way this roster is constructed right now, I, I don't see anybody else on this roster right now that I think the nationals would be willing to commit to either pre-arbitration or in their arbitration eligible years. Well, okay. But like, you don't see anyone else that, the, that you think guess, the nationals okay. will. Okay. So K bear and well, you K bear and Josiah, obviously have the longest tenure. I guess you could mm -hmm. theoretically say Louis. So I'm looking at five guys pretty much. Luis Garcia, Josiah Gray, um, CJ Abrams. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and Kate Cavalli. Mm -hmm. So I understand your point. It's tough because you have not seen Mackenzie. You've never seen a, oh, and you've never seen the Nationals do it before. We haven't yes, seen that. So. Not only that, but you haven't seen Mackenzie Gore pitch in a Nationals uniform in a regular season game yet. Kate Cavalli has pitched once and <laughs> now might need Tommy John surgery. You've only seen two months, one of which was pretty bad from C.J. Abrams. You've got a good sample of Luis Garcia, uh, but he hasn't fully proven himself. He, maybe he will this year full-time at second base. And Josiah Gray, while he looks like he could eventually develop into a strong starter, you know, he led the, the not just the league, he led the league in homers allowed and then also um, runs, uh, hits, doubles. Oh. I don't know. He led a lot last year. Um, and, and so nothing there that you might want to, you know, hit your wagon to for for long term. But those are my five. I, I say Josiah because all of those guys have value to them, and I, and I do like how the Nationals these they all come from different ways, right? Like uh, Luis Garcia was an international signing back in 2016 uh, from the Dominican Republic, even though he's an American citizen. Um, they traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner for Cabo Ruiz and Josiah Gray. They traded Juan Soto for Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, plus others. Um, and then they drafted a first-round draft pick in Kate Cavalli. So those are all – that's, that's mm -hmm. you know, almost ideal, right? Like, that's how you want to build your roster for now and for the future. You bring in these, all these talents from different avenues and then sign them long-term. I'm looking at Josiah Gray to have a big season, and maybe he can earn a kind of contract extension if he has a strong season this year. I know it's harder to maybe – and definitely weary to lock up a pitcher for that long. I mean, you look at Max's deal, seven years. Strasburg's was another seven. That looks like a really bad contract now. Um, 
and I'm not saying Josiah Gray is Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg, but it is harder to commit to a, a pitcher for that long term. But because he came over with Caber Ruiz, because of what you gave up to acquire him, you would have to figure that the Nationals are going to try to or envision themselves committing to him long term and all these guys. Yeah, I mean, there. I don't think any of those guys they're going to be able to get for as cheap as they were able to get Caber Ruiz. Um, I think that's both a combination of Caper Ruiz being so eager to do it, him playing the catcher position, you know, being more willing to do it for, for a cheaper price. Um, it would be very like the Nationals to, of all of those guys, extend Josiah Gray. Um, but if I was Mike Rizzo, I don't think there's anybody on that list that I've seen enough out of that I would be willing to do that at this point in the game. And I really, really don't think it would be a pitcher given that they've been – burnt on mm -hmm. giving pitchers long contracts look at steven strasburg right and then you look at the other guy at the position like like a cj like i'm thinking of cj abrams you gave up a lot to get him you think he's they clearly think he's a shortstop of the, another premium position if he has a strong year this year a full season in the major leagues i mean i'm not saying they have to do it right now i'm oh, just yeah, saying yeah, who's yeah. next up right mm -hmm. like i mean you know I, I think i have a graphic ready for uh, some of these guys and just kind of the timing of it all how they were acquired how old they are um when and the, their contract status when they become a free agent and when they're um arbitration eligible so um i i just think that this is hopefully the first of many to come mm -hmm. right and looking at who could possibly be next my guess would be either cj or or uh, Josiah. Great. Uh, yeah, I think I would go CJ first. I think just because I just think he he has way more upside. Mm -hmm. But you know, you have to still have faith in Josiah Gray as well. It's just unfortunate with the sample that we've gotten so far. It's hard to you know commit to that at this point in the sure. game or believe in that that he would be next. Yeah. So. And then you look at Luis Garcia again. Not quite proven at second base full time mm -hmm. yet. You like his bat skills. He's working on. Be more selective at the plate, just like Caber Ruiz is, and you hope that that he develops into a reliable bat that you would want to sign long term. Another guy that just recently left Scott Boris's uh, representation, so you know that could possibly be get done. I don't believe any of those guys I mentioned; those five, I don't believe any of them are Boris guys. I I, it's hard so. to find agent information on on prospect. I know we like know when they're drafted, but then I just you can't, I, don't, I can't find I couldn't right. find it anywhere. I, none of them jump out to me immediately. If I'm wrong, correct Josiah me in the, in the comments. Josiah Gray might be a Boris. No, I looked no, it up. No. He's um he was something else. Okay, because he is a he is like an established major leaguer. He's icon sports manager. Okay, and I think CJ is Rock Nation. Um, and then I couldn't find Mackenzie Cade. Or Luis Garcia. Well, we know Luis Garcia switched octagon right. um, from Scott Boris. So, you know, you know, this isn't like your core group of Harper, Soto, Rendon, Strasburg, Scherzer that were all Boris guys that were not going to sign any time of extension without hitting free agency. Strasburg being the exception, but we saw that turn out like you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think it just. I think, I think this is you. You would hope this is a good move for the Nationals for K Bear and his family, but you also hope it's like the first of many to come and. And maybe the sign that this rebuild will be relatively quick. And a lot of those guys are way more likely to sign contract extensions than any of the names previously, like Harper and, you know, all of those guys, because they know that, you know, 
they feel pretty confident themselves once they reach free agency, they can get a big dollar amount somewhere else. Some of these guys like Luis Garcia, Josiah Gray, you know, there's hope there still, but unless he produces way more on the field, he's not going to be able to get that sort of, you know, big dollar amount mm-hmm. like some of those other guys. So they're completely different contracts than, you know, getting, you know, Acuna for a steal or those types of guys. Yeah, and then if you look even further down the line, you got guys like um, Elijah Green, Brady House, um, Christian Vercaro. Yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. but that's maybe a conversation for a different day. If you're watching right now on Facebook or YouTube, here's that graphic I just mentioned. Like these five guys, all under the age of 25, um, how they were acquired, international free agency, trade, drafting, arbitration eligibility for Garcia 2024. It is 2025 for Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, 26 for CJ Abrams and Cade Cavalli. Interestingly enough, if you're looking at the breakdown of Caber Ruiz's uh, contract, and 2024 and 2026 is when he will make the quote-unquote least amount of money mm-hmm. over these these next eight years, aside from this year, uh, the $4 million with being from a $3 million signing bonus and a $1 million salary. So it's almost like, I, I don't know, maybe it's nothing, but I'm reading it as that's a small dip in his salary to maybe open up to mm-hmm. signing one of these guys out of their arbitration eligible seasons um, once they become, you know, and that's what, two or three years, and you have a more kind of background on them, more of a book on them. Um, and then they all hit free agency either 2028 or 2029. It's a big jump for Garcia because he's a super two player. Well, and maybe, you know, looking at that list, Luis Garcia and Kate Cavalli are their guys, you know, either mm-hmm. guys they got, you know, sure. in the international market or drafted. Maybe, I mean, Cabo Ruiz doesn't fit that narrative, but maybe down the line they'll be more inclined to, you know, sign their guys long-term. So that'll be interesting to see. But if you're looking at, you know, just this contract and, you know, whether it's good or bad, you know, for both, I think it's super low risk for the Nationals. Even if Cabo Ruiz doesn't improve at all, he's still one of the best catchers or best defenders in the league, but potential to be. And he's going to probably be hopefully an average hitter. If he doesn't find his power, you know, if he still puts up what he did the last few years, you know, you, you, you can live with that. You're not getting burned on this contract no matter what because of how small the dollar amount is. If you're Cabo Ruiz, I think it's a little more high risk than it is for the team just because, you know, you might reach your full potential and you might end up an all-star catcher down the line and, you know, then you're only making this much for the next, you know, eight years. It's not, um, it's not, you know what it is. I was going to say, it's it's not betting on yourself. Like Guys like Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, they bet on themselves. They are obviously catching out big. K-Bear, and this kind of goes along with what Davies mentioned, but K-Bear is betting on the Nationals. Yep. right? He's betting on that he wants to be here for 10 years, no matter how much he's making, because he sees that this team can turn it around and become a winner in the next two, three, four years, whatever it may be. And, and like Davey mentioned, he's you know he we're making a commitment to him, but I see it as he's making a commitment to us. Yep. So I think that's a kind of interesting way to look at it that he's he's not betting on himself. He's betting on the Nationals that this is going to turn around and he's going to be a part of a winning team. Because he mentioned, yeah, I I won a World Series with the Dodgers in 2020 when I was a part of their taxi squad. Right. But I want to win one as an actual mm-hmm. player. And so now he's got eight, maybe nine, maybe ten years to do that in here in Washington. Maybe even more. I mean, you know, they could re reorganize, restructure it, whatever it may be, uh, re sign like another extension, you know, Kraus, whatever it, you know, 
It could anything could happen, but it's a commitment to the Nationals, not just the Nationals committing to him. Yeah, and that's the one thing is in the catcher position, anything can happen. And you know, you know, he has a job and he has you know money guaranteed for the next eight years, possibly ten years. Um, I think if he played any other position, maybe he would test the waters a little bit more. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but given that it's a catcher, I think that's what made him probably more inclined uh, to sign this extension. A one seven F WAR for Kaber. He's projected that number's projected to be over two in 2023 uh, he had 251 last year seven home runs the nationals are hoping you know he can find a little bit more power there's signs that point towards that he makes solid contact it's just better pitch selection i think oftentimes with caber throughout 20 runners the second most in the majors you know his his war would probably be higher if he had a little bit more offensive production mm-hmm. but the defense is there for caber so if you get any sort of improvement from that from Caber, you're really happy you're, you're, you're the Nationals. Um, and I think for Caber, he's going to be happy either way. Yeah, it's funny that the he, he's, he can get – his offensive production wasn't as high as it should be because he was like too good at hitting the baseball, right? We talked about right. that. His contact rate is so good, but he shouldn't be hitting so many balls that are outside of the strike zone, weak contact, ground balls, easy pop-ups. So he's been working on that this spring. If that improves, you should see his numbers kind of sky. I wouldn't say skyrocket, but he, he will definitely improve. Oh, yeah. And you'll see, okay, this guy can be the number one catcher, future all-star catcher of the future uh, moving forward. Um, yeah, very interesting. Again, huge move. I mean, like you mentioned, Amy, under what is happening with ownership right now, a big moment in this franchise's mm-hmm. history, considering we don't know who the owner is going to be past. That's been very murky. That's been questions have not been answered but you know mike rizzo says we have our marching orders we can conduct business as usual this isn't usual for the nationals to do this and it was impressive that they were able to pull it off and i think it's a good sign for them moving forward um so hopefully more to come and congratulations to k bear and his family congratulations to mike rizzo and dave martinez for getting this done um and the nationals have their young catcher of the future, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so we know Caber's going to be here i think if you're a nats fan you have to be excited if you were upset that you know they let Juan Soto walk, you know, whoever else. This is a commitment to their young talent. Yeah. I think you can sort of buy more into the rebuild now because they are committing to these guys. Um, and it, it, I think it's a good sign about where the rebuild is headed. And it's certainly good for the Nationals and hopefully Caber Ruiz. You mentioned when we talked about those five guys who could potentially could be up next that, you know, you, you think that the Nationals will go after Luis Garcia and Kekavali first because they're their guys. But don't you also kind of consider... K-Bear, Josiah, McKenzie, CJ, the Nationals guys too, because that's who they wanted when they gave up so much. Like they gave up their own guys to go get these guys at such a young age. And like, you know, they couldn't, you know, drafts work in mysterious ways, right? It's like they, they, if, I'm sure if they could draft McKenzie Gore, they would have, right. or they, if they could just draft a CJ Abrams, they would have, but like, that's not how it works. So, but when you go for a trade and I'm giving up a Juan Soto and a Josh Bell, I want those two plus James Wood, Plus Jarlin, Jarlin Sosana, plus Robert Hassel the third, like you know they 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 didn't they weren't homegrown, but they did hand select them. Like those are the guys we want. Yeah, I mean it's much. fair to say they gave up more or committed more to to get those guys, and yeah. all of those guys really are the face of their rebuild. Yeah. So I think you know there there is something to them. Yeah, I, I think not, no one's proven anything yet, maybe except for K Bear. But like we still need to see a lot more from CJ a full season. We still need to see Mackenzie exactly, Gore yeah. take the mound in a Nationals uniform. Uh, Definitely we, Josiah Gray. <laughs> Josiah Gray improve. Luis Garcia improve. Kate Cavalli. 
stay healthy. Um, so yeah, but a, a good sign for the Nationals' future um, and for this franchise moving forward, and a good way to start off this 2023 season. And when you go to Nationals Park 15 days from now uh, for Opening Day, I'm sure you'll see a lot of number 20 Ruiz jerseys in the Nationals team store. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Maths and All Access podcast. Want to thank our new producer Matt. Oh, I almost did Bonaparte. it. Bonaparte. I want to say Bonaparte. <laughs> I'm going to say Bonaparte until he corrects me. Matt Bonaparte <laughs> for uh, uh, producing today's show and Brennan Mortensen for helping out as well. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Of course, Mass and Nationals across the board on social media. At Mark Zuckerman for the latest on Kate Cavalli over the next couple of days and throughout the end of spring training. Of course, you can also follow along on MassInSports.com and the Masson app. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Amy, you're off next week, right? I am. So we'll just have this one, and then I'll have one episode probably with Brendan next week, and then we'll be two days before opening day. Very exciting stuff. Stay tuned on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to be locked into the Mass and All Access podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.